And so they just seem to be almost beyond dense, like mm -hmm. clueless, you know? And um, they're they, seeing things from a human point of view yeah. and not from Still. The, the point of view of what really is possible because of Christ. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. This is the Every Moment His podcast. That's right. This is the second in a series about the Gospel of Mark. Yep, yep. Where we have it's trending, Jesus is uh, Strange. Trending on iTunes right now. Or That's right. I hope so. Trending on Twitter. Yeah. Jesus is Strange in the Gospel of Mark. Yes. A unique picture of Jesus. Right. Um, and then what about the disciples? These guys don't get it. Yeah. But sometimes we don't, so we can have some compassion on them. All right. And uh, really, we're going to see, yeah, the disciples are kind of dense, but um, actually, this kind of shows the credibility of Mark's gospel, too. So okay. we'll talk about that. All right. So ready for the joke of the day? Do it. Okay. So the joke of the day is, uh, what did the ocean say to the shore? Stop running into me. <laughs> Nothing. It just waved. It just waved. Uh, <laughs> That's the the sound of that joke was whoosh. <laughs> a real calming effect on me. <laughs> yeah. I could feel those waves about twenty it kinda, hours You could away say that the Nebraska. joke kind of crashed, even <laughs> you know. It it did a little bit, but um, there's always next time. <laughs> All right. So, well. yeah, the, if you read Mark, and if you read it in longer chunks, chapter by chapter, you're going to see that the disciples, <laughs> as much as we hold them up as the later apostles, mm -hmm. there's churches named after these guys, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, we also see that they don't get it. And yeah. they're kind of dense and, dare we say, dumb sometimes. Yeah. But and and dumb would be a good technical word, too, because Jesus is often exasperated. He's like, do, do you have ears, but you don't hear? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So the and disciples are portrayed in, in a very negative light in the Gospel of Mark. Right. And And I think that we could perceive this, Jesus being frustrated with them, in a way that we think, oh, I hope he's not frustrated with me. Mm, mm -hmm. But I think if Jesus in the Gospels is ever frustrated, it's because he's trying to give you something good. <laughs> yeah. And you're getting in your own way of receiving it. Could be. And, um, and also that, th and there is this opportunity to, to come to him. And he's, he's hmm. just incredibly gentle with those who come to him. But he yeah. also does have maybe some harshness with the, the disciples because they, of all people, should have ears to hear and eyes to see, but they just miss it. Yeah, they're the insiders. They're his close companions, and they're just clueless. Yeah, so... I, it reminds me, again, it reminds me of Old Testament depictions of God saying, you know, all, all day long I hold up my hands to a people who just don't want me. Yeah, yeah. 
So what are some examples of this with the disciples? Where does it kind of start? Because it starts yeah. out good. They're like, <laughs> they're going to follow him. We drop our nets and we follow you, Jesus, yeah. and things are good. That's like the one positive thing that the disciples do. They follow Jesus. Yeah, good job, guys. And after that, it's all kind of downhill. It's kind of a mess. Um, but. but yeah, we s- well, one great example is um, when Jesus stills the storm, when he walks to them on the water, it says, even after this, they, they don't understand. Their hearts are hard. They still don't understand about the loaves and the bread. They're arguing about, hey, we forgot food. <laughs> well, that's not this, that's not this instance. But this is when Jesus walks on the water. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. And then he gets in the boat with them, he's, uh-huh. and the storm stops. And it says that they still don't get it. Yeah, They're astonished. Yeah, that's right. Kinda, and because their hearts are hard and they don't understand it. He just fed 5,000 people. And they're just like, I don't he can get take it. care of their What's problems, right? Yeah. He can he can still the storm. Well, there's another time in the boat, I think, in chapter eight, where they're arguing because they're like, we forgot food. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesus is like, were you there <laughs> when I fed the five thousand and the four thousand? Like, yeah. come on, guys. <laughs> well, they think he's warning them about yeast. Right, he's warning them about the yeast of the Pharisees. And yeast is symbolic for sin in the Old Testament, right? Yeah, Yeah. and kind of this idea that, you know, if you allow the teaching of the Pharisees to get into what we're doing, it's going to ruin everything. It's going to work its way into every little square Mm -hmm. inch of everything. And they think Mm -hmm. that he's upset with them because they didn't bring enough food. Yeah, yeah. And this is after he's fed 5,000 and then 4,000. And yeah. so he's just like, you could just see Jesus, you know, facepalm, you know? Facepalm, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and uh, I think it's in another gospel where he says that the, it says the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod is unbelief. Hmm. And that they're just not, they have every opportunity to believe, but they don't really get it. Hmm. I think another example would be is Jesus is repeatedly telling them again and again that, look guys, I'm going to be, handed over to the Gentiles, spit on, mocked, flogged, mm. crucified. And then I'll be raised on the third day. And Peter, of course, gets in the way of that. He's like, this is never going to happen to you. And right. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Another strange thing, if you think about our last episode, he calls his right-hand man <laughs> Satan. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and... Uh, it's not exactly a compliment. Yeah, yeah, right. But true in a way that he's, yeah, yeah Peter, th- his his human way of thinking is actually very uh, a demonic way yeah, of thinking. Yeah, it's standing in the way of God's will. Yeah, God's, God's salvation. Yeah. And the, the disciples, they just don't get it. And so th- they've been told so many times that he's going to be crucified and raised. When he's arrested, they scatter. And then... When he's raised, they're not expecting it. They're yeah. all sorrowful, you know. They're yeah. and the women come and tell him, and they're like, "What?" Right. <laughs> so and, well, and in the in the Gospel of Mark, the women don't tell anybody because they're like, so they're freaked they're afraid. Out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and that's the uh-huh. end of the Gospel. Yeah. Like, ah. We'll talk about that a little bit more um, later about the what Mark's trying to do there. Yeah. Which what you you talked about on Easter this year, right. which is cool. But um, I think another one of one of my I think my absolute favorite is. Um, so in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Yeah. And then a few, ch- a few chapters later, he also, it's recorded, he also feeds the 4,000. Right. So 
imagine you've been with Jesus, you've seen him still the storm, walk on water, feed a crowd of thousands of people, and it's happening again. There's a huge crowd, and Jesus yeah. says, uh, we should feed these people. And they, they ask, how are we going to get so They're much like, bread what to are feed 4,000 people? And he's like, were you with me? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it was like two weeks ago, guys. <laughs> <Come on>. uh, <laughs> Do yeah. you remember all the fish and the bread? And, and so they just seem to be almost beyond dense, like mm-hmm. clueless, you know? And um, they're, they're seeing things from a human point of view yeah. and not from Still. The, the point of view of what really is possible because of Christ and... And so, for example, you get this in a, in a couple interactions that they have with, um, with Jesus. So when the, the crowd's pressing in on him in chapter 5, and the woman reaches out and touches him, Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And the disciples are quick to say, well, why are you asking? Like, you, you're not going to yeah. be able to find out who touched you. What a dumb question, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and of course... Jesus knows, and so he's going to find out who did it. Or then the miracle you just cited, Jesus says, you give the people something to eat. And they're like, they kind of freak out. They're like, going to break the bank, Jesus. Yeah. Can't give people even a snack with 200 denarii, like eight mm-hmm. months worth of, you know, day wages. And uh, you get this also where... <laughs> They come down from the mountain of transfiguration. That's a that's a funny one too, because on the mount of transfiguration, Peter's like, uh <laughs> this is great. Let's make some tents. Let's make some tents. <laughs> uh, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And and one of the gospels, I can't remember if it was Mark, says he didn't know what he was saying. Yeah, he didn't know what to say. <laughs> he was just, he like, just his mouth was just moving, yeah. but yeah. And then they come down the mountain and then there's this demon possessed child brought by a father and and, and they're like the father's like, I tried to bring my son to you, to the disciples, but they couldn't help me. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus says, oh yeah, well this one, this kind of demon can only be cast out by prayer. In other words, yeah. I interpret that as the disciples weren't even praying about it. They just, <laughs> so. I've never thought about that. <laughs> we, can, we can talk a lot, I think, about the disciples' denseness. It's all over in the gospels, but let's talk about what this means for us right now. Yeah, well, I think... Because um, we can be dense, too. <laughs> I know absolutely. I can. And I think that's part of the point. So yeah. um, one of my favorite aspects is about Mark, and scholars have really looked at this, and I mentioned this in my Easter sermon, too, is Mark is written in the, in the style of a Greek tragedy. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean it's an opportunity for the audience to observe people who never get the point they never change um so they they see these disciples continually failing continually getting it wrong continually not understanding the person of jesus and saying the wrong things and the effect it's supposed to have on the audience is this kind of like gnawing at your heart kind of like come on guys you can get it what's wrong with you it's right in front of you yeah and that's meant to press the action into your life yeah. So you learn from a negative example. And you, so the, the audience or the hearers of this gospel should have, by the end of the gospel, just be saying, what are you doing? This is the risen son of God. Everybody knows it except for you, you dense morons. Yeah. And that is supposed to spur us into answering the question in reality, 
who is Jesus? Yeah, and I mentioned this in a sermon recently that um, the whole purpose that Mark is after is he's asking really two questions. Who is this Jesus and what are you going to do with him? Yeah. And I think we do see the disciples as a foil kind of literary term there. They're kind of showing us that we should get it, unlike them. Uh, Now, I think there's another thing we should point out here too. A lot of people I would maybe think, oh, the Gospels are these nice stories that people wrote down. And as people just sat around and remembered the hmm. uh, teachings of Jesus, you know, generations later, they yeah. created these legends and myths and nice stories. Well, no. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of great research done, primarily by uh, uh, Richard Balcom. He's a professor of New Testament somewhere in England. And... Uh, he, he points out in his, his book, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses, that likely Mark's gospel is based on the eyewitness account of Peter. Now, Peter, as a preacher, he would have been preaching all these stories, these little episodes about Jesus his whole life. And he would not have written them down because, well, number one, Peter was likely uh, illiterate. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a Jewish peasant. He was a fisherman. Mm-hmm. He's living in a very oral culture where people didn't write things down. They spoke things and remembered things. Their memories would have been way better than us. Hmm. Kind of like the, 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 the waiter who can re- remember the 18 things that are ordered by like a big group. I mean, that's the, the people back then were an oral culture. They, they remembered things. They, they spoke things. And so it's not surprising that the Gospels weren't written until later near the end of the life of the apostles because they would have been rehearsed and spoken uh, orally. Now, as we get these, these stories from Peter that Mark writes down in orders, the early church father Papias uh, reports this to us, uh, um, we're getting details that it would be very surprising that Peter and Mark would share with us unless they really happened. So let's say that you and me were Jesus' first disciples and we were kind of boneheads too. Like we just were just idiots. And do you think that the person who's going to write down our story is going to be eager to say the pastors that you know and that you trust just were dense? Yeah that even Pastor Tim denied Jesus. Right. You right, know what I mean? Right, exactly. So so we're getting these really raw details about the denseness of the disciples, the mistakes they make, the way they're arguing about who the greatest is, the way that they're vying for power, and the way that they even deny Jesus and scatter and don't get it. That has authenticity to it. And in the study of history, you know, those are kind of the things you look for, for credibility. Yeah, kind uh, of embarrassing admissions. Yeah. So as opposed to um, propaganda. Yeah, and, and, you know, so for example, history is often propaganda. It's going mm-hmm. to cast things in a certain light. Yeah, or Caesar on a white horse conquering, do- doing nothing wrong. Yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why we hear about the Exodus in the Hebrew scriptures, Exodus, but we don't hear the Egyptians talk about it right? because it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I'm I had a rabbi friend tell me once that the Egyptians invented makeup. <laughs> and 
uh, covering things up. Awesome. <laughs> to look nice. And so they, did, they don't write down the Exodus because that was a mess. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it lends credibility to the, the testimony. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. And, th- and that's, a, that's a strong case being made in New Testament scholarship right now. Okay. So what else might we say about this negative portrayal about um, these disciples? I think I would just kind of conclude with two things that I think are connected. Number one, it gives us hope because we often don't get it. I've seen in my own life that I have to hear things sometimes a hundred times. God has to teach me and reteach me things over and over. Mm. And sometimes I just don't get it. And when I think I get it, I don't really get it. Mm. And I think that is really the process of our growth as Christians is that sometimes growth takes time. Yeah. But Jesus is patient with us. And so there's hope for us. I mean, because yeah, look at these right. disciples. They are dense. <laughs> they are. They don't get it. But Jesus entrusted them with authority. Mm-hmm. In chapter 6, he sends He's, them out on true. a mission. He yep. gives them a task. And then he also uses them to go to the nations and spread the gospel mm-hmm. so that now we believe today. So despite their weaknesses, God still chose them, still yeah. uses them. Yeah, it's, it's that old adage, you know, that God doesn't... Um, choose the qualified he qualifies the chosen right Mm -hmm. Uh, and in the same way i think there's hope for us and but the the other point was the holy spirit yeah because you look at peter james john you look at these guys before pentecost and after pentecost in acts chapter two the holy spirit filled them and peter is bold he's confident he knows who jesus is he's even willing to suffer i think it's a reminder that we as the church need the holy spirit continually so there's, yeah, there, I think this is, you know, very Lutheran in thinking that there's a revelation about the state of man, yeah. this, you know, the state of humanity that we can't just grasp um, the things of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and often our, we're absolutely pathetic when we try. Yeah. Um, we just can't get it. And that's just part of nature and sin. But um, the Holy Spirit has to call us by the gospel and enlighten us with his gifts. And so it points us to further and further to just a state of uh, childlike faith. Yeah. Where God operate on me. I, I'm not going to get it apart from your holy intervention in my life. You know, and honestly, too, I think for those who are not within the church, who are maybe seeking and asking questions about Jesus or maybe even resisting him, that I think there's an invitation to be patient, to be really patient and gentle because... In the Gospels, Jesus is very patient with those who come to him. Um, Even like the rich man who comes to him and says, what good thing do I have to do to get eternal life? And it says, though, that Jesus looked at him and Hmm. loved him. He told him, he gave him kind of a hard pill to swallow, but but he loved him. And, And so if you look at who Jesus is not patient with, it's the religious leaders. It's the kind of churchy people that Jesus is not patient with. But he's incredibly patient for those who are are seeking. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really good segue. We're going to be looking at the other characters. So we've looked at Jesus, we've looked at the disciples, and we're going to look at uh, these extra characters, often outsiders, in the Gospel of Mark and how they are actually portrayed in a very positive light in general. Very positive, yep. See you next time.